This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Um, first of all, I, I'd like to thank the shul for providing so thoughtfully the Kolos of Brokim. It's an appropriate setting for this. And not only that, the Rambam says, as is known in Kali Yisrael, it was a rainy day for Matan Torah. So, so the setting couldn't be more appropriate, al Um I guess, I, like always, I'd like to learn something inside. The Sefer, I mean, it's taken from the Saudi Torah, but the Sefer which taking the excerpt is called the Akedah. We might have done it once before. We might have done an Akedah once before. We didn't do this piece. Akedah Yitzchak is an extraordinarily important work on Chumash. It was written by Yitzchak Arma, who was at the end of the Spanish era. He sort of dovetailed basically with the Spanish exile. His um, he his work is encyclopedic. It's five volumes on Chumash. People today don't have the patience to go through such long pieces. It's, it's very long. He develops very fundamental ideas, philosophical ideas, and so on, fleshes it out. And, but this is a piece where, first of all, I've edited out the, somebody, uh, the material that he digresses, so we can, we can do something that will follow pretty much, a, um, I guess, to keep the main idea in line. The, um, the the point that he's dealing with is we have Torah. Torah is very big. It's got a lot of parts to it. There was one piece that was chosen to be taught to us by Hakadosh Baruch Hu Himself. The vast majority of Torah, um, certainly Torah Shabbat Peh, is already one degree, two degrees, three degrees through Moshe, through Chachamim and so on there's one segment of it Asar Sadibris that we were taught by Kaddish Baruch Hu in an extraordinarily powerful setting of, of Kolos and Brokim and whatever that the Torah calls Kaddish Baruch Hu Megala himself the question is on what basis was this chosen um, what were these these areas that were chosen. And that's what he deals with, and that's what he's going to talk about. Okay, so it's on, the first one's on page 391, and it follows. Ein Suffolk, the second paragraph. Ki He says, if you take any person, and he makes a presentation, and the presentation has tremendous amount of fireworks to it, and, and lots of dulls and whistles, and, and it's a great production. You understand that what he's trying to convey is going to be of equal import. It, 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 the presentation should reflect to some degree what it is that you're going to present. Um, and then the next paragraph, and wherever the three dots means, I've edited out some material. He says it's like there's a known saying that you don't use a huge amount of very expensive machinery to manufacture a cheap little needle. In other words, there's going to be anyone who's a bardas and a chacham. There's going to be obviously some sort of 
um, is some sort of proportion between the means that go into something and what you produced itself. The next paragraph. himself is coming into the world and he's creating an event so powerful with such impact that it never was and never will be. And the Pusik points that out. It's not our observation. The Pusik says, Hashoma am and so on. So the Pasik says, you've witnessed something that no living person has ever witnessed before, and basically is impossible for a living person to witness uh, a, 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 such a tremendous event. So taking into account that the teacher is the ultimate teacher and the event is the ultimate event, you would expect, and in terms of the student body, you had everyone present. The middle people, the people who are above everyone else, like Aaron Akoin, Moshe, and the Skenim. All of this is an extraordinary preparation. In other words, at every level, nothing ever measured up to it. The teacher, the students, the setting. Um, so, so the expectation is that what one would hear at an event like that would be the deepest parts of Torah. The Zohar in its full splendor and depth would be darshaned from HaKadosh Baruch himself to Klal Yisrael in this great event. In other words, you, if you're asking yourself which part of Torah is going to need and merit, possibly, uh, this type of presentation, you expect the deepest understanding of God, the most difficult philosophical problems. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will tell them the truth about the deepest questions. The hardest questions. It's It's these are all the issues that mankind has wrestled with, religious mankind, and hasn't come up with an answer. So you say, yes, we're not on the madrega, we're not on the level, we don't have the person who understands it to teach it, here's the chance. Teach the greatest, um, the greatest event, the greatest teaching event, teach it. So you have a chance to lay the theological foundations of Yiddishkeit. And the great 
um, fundamental questions that have baffled us. What exactly is the Metzias Habore? What is Hashkocha? Um, how does, how does the hearing idea work? And everything like that. This should have been the setting for that type of, of discussion. And then he says, um, I just, again, there's three dots there. I, I, I skipped a piece. But he says, you know, we take a look at Aserus Hadibris, and it's quite disappointing in terms of the presentation. Kihine says, So he says, he explains in the Sefer, well, Anoch Hashem Alakecha, maybe. Maybe that's something that includes much more. But Kabiris Avicha, these are what we call today what, what they call natural ethics it's, it's something that everybody who's got some semblance of a conscience understands it, gets it all nations that have a semblance of civilization to them and, and some sort of ethical um, standing, they've all come to these ideas on their own. They didn't need Harsinai. It covered out of your parents, not stealing, not, not killing, not bearing false testimony, um, uh, marital infidelity. All, all of that's pretty obvious, pretty simple. It's not something. Omnami says, Mela harava more so he says, okay, he says, the first one, so the first command, the, the, the Rambam in Moronavuch makes, makes the, the statement that you could have understood it yourself by thinking through the proofs. And you can naturally expect that perhaps not everybody could figure it out. Um, those are the first three or four ma'amarim, which deal with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's existence, the, the negation of any other force in the Bria, um, you know, and not swearing falsely. Those at least are, are um, things that we understand that it's different, it's unique. And let's say, um, so Rambam himself, he says, also believes that these are self-evident. But let's assume not. So you have the first three or four commandments, which the Rambam says is self-evident. And anybody thinking will come to that realization. Um, Shabbos is the only one that really we don't have it unless we have Sinai. So we have the first three which you can make an argument that you need revelation, but many nations picked up on it. The Rambam feels that that's possible to pick up without revelation. Um, the, 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 uh, and, 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 uh, and you have Shabbos. But, ve'ulam, heyosam al-ofen shehoyu, so to tell me like this, we have seven, well, maybe three or four necessary, and five or six unnecessary for that level of presentation. And he says, and not only did it was it presented in an incredible event, this was literally etched in stone. So if we ask ourselves what's written in stone, things that 
anybody who's got some some spark of decency to himself would sort of figure out himself. Why would that be? Okay. Next paragraph. So he so he makes his point in this paragraph about what it is that was revealed. It's not a small matter, this point that I'm raising. Understanding the answer to this problem will give you the explanation of what happened at Sinai. It's the foundation for all of Torah. If you look into it well, you realize the main point of it that event did not come to enlighten people on theological mistakes. He says the theological mistakes that people make because they don't quite understand the concept of God's existence, but non-materialism, and all of those fine errors that a person might slip up when he's thinking through the, the, the concept of God, that was not the purpose of Matan Torah. In, in other words, in his presentation. So he says, And he makes a very, you talk about somebody who was really sort of the, 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 the summation of the error of what we would call the Jewish philosophers. And the, that really was focused in Spain. And he and the Barbanel are the two, the two last ones, sort of the end of that era. And he, and that was their bread and meat. Was was philosophical. He says those types of mistakes and errors do not bring people to kfira, and don't bring people to make light of the mitzvahs. The finer ideolo- the, the finer theological points are not the makers or breakers of a person's Yiddishkeit. Omnam. He says, you know what the mistake that the Torah is trying to avoid? It's not the philosophical mistake that comes from not having the exact fine definition needed to most appropriately define God. That's not the problem. He said the same philosophers brought in a different mistake into the world that's much worse. And he says, They were happy with understanding, they're fine about the concept of a God,
So he says, the point that they dislodged, the, the amuna that they dislodged was the sense of God intersecting in our world and giving us feedback, hashkacha, on what we do right or wrong. So he's painting us an, an extraordinary uh, picture of something. It's, it's almost natural. The person who begins to take his religious senses and feelings and moves him towards fine, abstract points, many times also begins to move away from seeing it as part of reality. Um, we, 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 we have an ideal, a, word of, a world of ideas and ideals and a world of reality. And goodness and, 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 and all the wonderful things that are in the Torah, that belongs to the world of ideals, and it's important. But we also, dis- we slowly and sometimes subconsciously begin to take it away from this world. We're not primitive. We don't think that God actually sits and patches with our film to see if it's painted black all the way, halfway. It, 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 God is, is worried about other things. I remember I once, I read an editorial in the New York Times. Um, it was when one of the cardinals in New York came out against abortion. I don't remember which one of blessed memory was, but one of them. And the, the New York Times sort of chided uh, him, gave him a little bit of Musa, and he said, he's such a great person. He, he's such an elevated person, and so on. Why does he get involved in politics? It's beneath his station and dignity to be Isaac in Yanim that Democrats and Republicans are Isaac. He should be Isaac in, in the world about, of goodness, godliness. But stay away from like abortion. Abortion is not a topic that, that you know, it, it's not for him. So it's Zakavaya Fichvodo kind of. It's just not. In other words, there's, there's, a, 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 there's sort of a sense of drift where you move away from physical reality and it becomes part of something else. So he says there was something in a sense that those were the types of mistakes. And, and in generally speaking, even when you, when you look in the Kuzari, I guess Aristotle was the paradigm for it, where God seemed to be defined as a conceptual reality, but any of the trappings of him having... The, of, of him wanting something in the world, uh, attributing the concept of Ratzon, attributing the concept of Chachma, of Ashkacha, of Oschar, of Onesh, those were all things that were considered to be um, kind of crass. So, so he said that was, that was the point that Matan Torah came to dislodge. Um, Kihine, he says, Noshim And he's obviously referring, and, and, and you can, and, and the truth was, it, it's one of the tragedies of Spanish Jewry. You know, when we, when we learn history, we learn history, um, when we speak about the Spanish golden era, and the Inquisition kind of brutally put an end to it. The truth was, it was a lot, lot more complex than that. Um, Spanish jury, you know, they, they, forget about, you know, there, there, were, there were better times, worse times in terms of, you know, um, 
I, you know, the pogrom is not the right word, but you know, there, 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 were, there were different things about that. But, but, but in, spiritually, um, the Jews thrived in Spain. They became very acculturated. And according to the most reliable sources that I've seen, I think the, the, the doyen of Spanish Jewish history is bare. I think the numbers were in the high percentages. If I'm not mistaken, it, was, it might have been 40-50% of assimilation rate. And assimilation meaning actual shmarin lo'aleinu before the Inquisition, without the pressure Inquisition. It was terrible. Um, and part of it was, and, and we have some, there's a, there's a uh, some sperm have written about it, that the the um, when the test came, the, the expulsion, which was a terribly difficult Nisayon, um, the Jews that, there's a famous Chassid Yaivetz, it's quoted often, the, the Jews whose Judaism was very philosophical, very based on ideas and, and, and so on, were the ones that drifted off easiest, withstood the pressure least. And therefore, um, he says, and he speaks quite, he's not mentioning who by name, but you can sense it. These, these people who are hypocrites. In other words, they're, they're correcting the so-called minor, finer theological flaws of Kal Yisrael. They're pushing Torah aside and bringing in something else. Very poetic lotion about what they're doing basically is they're emptying out Judaism of, 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 its, of its Torah. It's an outside temptation. So I'm here, and there's an Avodazar here, an Avodazar here, an Avodazar here, and I may be drawn to it, may not be drawn to it. But when you, in a, in a very insidious way, worm your way into Yiddishkeit, and you begin to clean it out and empty it out until it becomes hollow and sort of meaningless, that's much worse, he says. So he says he feels this was very current in Mitzri thought. Egypt was a successful um, state, very successful state, and part of the, the a they were very advanced, you know, for the times, science, construction, still marvelous, um, government administration. And when Paro came along and said he's a god, he wasn't that stupid, but his point was God is the one who's smart and knows how to make things happen because there's nothing else in the way. God may be sitting up in heavens and doing what gods do, and that's fine. But when it comes here, I'm the one that if I dig a, if, if I dig a canal... The waters of the Nile go this way, that way, the other way. It wasn't a stupid. Torah doesn't deal with stupid people. Torah deals with wicked people, but not stupid people. So, so the, the, uh, Mitzrayim, being a well-developed country and a place where people had that sense and mindset, it had crept into Israel as well. Um, so he says. And this is this attitude 
attitude has crept into every generation afterwards. And they brought this destruction to call Yisrael in the Golas. Next paragraph on Kufzai. In order that the world be um, in order that the world be a kingdom of God. I, I want to take a minute and speak about something else, just because we're mentioning the phrase. Um, part of part of a half a phrase, part of, of 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 using something and not giving it its full meaning is lesakin olam b'malchushakai. Tikkun olam is a wonderful thing, but when you when you take a sentence and splice it in half, I mean, out of context is is putting it mildly. There's only one place that the word Tikkun Olam is mentioned in Jewish literature, uh, if we consider Jewish literature to be from and before the modern era. And that is in, 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 the, in the Musa of Rosh Hashanah, which the Lena we say every day is a piece of that Musa of Rosh Hashanah. It says, the Sakin Olam that the world bear the Malchus HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he's describing over here, listen, you have all these people that the attitude that they push into Klal Yisrael is that God is a concept, it's ideal, it's the world of the ideal, not the world of real, he doesn't get involved in what happens here, he doesn't care, and there's no interaction, no reward, and no punishment. And again, it's not the significance is not whether we get the reward or the punishment per se. We're not supposed to be out for that. The question is, is there interaction? Is God a God of this world or not? So, um, since Egypt was a successful empire, and it was modern by those standards, and, and so on, the same idea seeped in. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu needed to rectify that, to reestablish the sense that this world is a world where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Melech Ala Olam. L'sakin Olam B'malch Shakai means that this world has a very, very hands-on um, ruler on it. So, Akadosh came in Aseris Adibris, in Maimar Sinai, to push out any type of. He reestablished the concept of Akadosh Baruch Hu being the Soda Olam in, 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 the, in the world of Ranto. That's what people had a problem with. They, didn't, they weren't doubting the existence of a God, but is really God part of our life? You know, in other words, there was always the sense of maybe if God is so great and so above everything and transcends reality, maybe he's not part of reality. He's saying, you know, let, let's give an example of something that, that we, we can relate to. I mean, he's, putting, he's giving us a certain perspective 
Kalaisa was stupid. They didn't realize that Kashbar could do Nisim. They did Kriyasiyamsov. So every, every few parishes, they had another problem. Well, let's give it a mushal. Imagine um, a person is going to work for a boss that he knows and likes and has a good relationship. So, yeah, so, so that's a, it's a good arrangement. Imagine that this person is, is the CEO of a huge firm, a huge firm, and he gives him an entry-level job. And the guy's scared because there's a lot of competition and the, and the atmosphere there is, is kind of a little bit difficult and sharp, people each other. And the CEO taps on his shoulder and says, don't worry, sonny boy, I'll be there for you when you need me. It's not that the guy doubts. The guy's a little bit of a chacham. It's not that he doubts that the person can do what he wants to do. But if he's a little wiser, he says, yeah. And, 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 when, the, and, and when the guy on top of me, who's you know, 95 ranks below this person, cheppers me, so what's going to happen? I'm going to pick up a phone to CEO and tell him, you know, the guy said something not nice to me? He's not going to be involved in my life. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not part of, of it. The, the, the question was, will, I mean, yes, Akash made this one huge event of Kriyas Yamsuf, but every time we need something, every time we need a little slob, a little water, a little this and that, he's going to be there. Ayesha the Bikirbenu part was the part that's not real. The world functions in a very tevedical way. And therefore he says, So let's say he had started out with the question that the presentation should have been like the deep, great theological secrets, uh, mysteries that we're wrestling with. He says, if that would have been the case, it would have pushed our attention away. Instead of focusing on the reality of mitzvahs, Yiddishkeit would have been some great, deep discussion. Um, he says, it would become so deep that we would become confused. At the end of that great deep event, we, we, we would sum it up like this. He exists but doesn't exist. There's substance but it's not substantial. It's one but it's Different than our one, Kadmav Lebe Kadmus, Yodev Lobedas, Rotzel Rotzen. He's imitating here, he's mimicking some of the philosophical works, which it's not that they're wrong, but at some point it becomes less than enlightening when we start actually thinking about these things. I, I want to digress a minute and, and say over. Um, uh, two points similar to this that I think are, are, are very significant, very important. The Rambam Mona Vuchim, the Sefer Mona Vuchim, and everybody says the guy for perplexed, he deals with his main perplexing issue is the concept of anthropomorphism, God's you know, being human because of all the psukim. That's the topic he deals with, and he goes to no ends to say that Chas V'Shalom, Hashem doesn't have a body, and so on and so forth, on and on and on. And 
he then in, it's, in, it's, it's in a few places but I think the place that's most prominent is in, it's in the first section of the Maravuchim Perkofov he basically lays down the question so if it's so wrong so why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu um, use those terms? So why do you say, Eni Hashem Tomid, Tachas Raglov, Yad Hashem, you know, the other Lashonos in different places. So the Rambam says he is so, and people quote one part of it, not the entire thing. But the Rambam explains what that means. And let's try a little bit to explain it. means the appropriate language to use is the language that the person who's listening understands. And that's a very important... I want to give a mush of it so we really understand what it, what it means. Imagine somebody has a young boy, very adventurous. And one of, uh, one of the things that he's adventured... One of these, the, the things that he's adventured was he touched fire. And he was burnt. Not badly, but hurt. And he recoiled terribly, and he's frightened from fire. He doesn't get near fire. He's a four-year-old kid. One day, he sees the kid at the edge of a pond or a river that's, um, that's, that's going very swiftly, and the kid, being adventurous, is about to step in. Now, should he yell fire, or should he yell water? If he yells fire, it's not emis. He's teaching the kids. It's chas v'shalom. The kid's career as a chemist might come to an end at that moment if he thinks that fire and water are the same. It's not, not a good thing. And he's a ish emis, so he wouldn't say things that are not accurate, not correct. Um, I, I remember what, sometimes you get a, a cultural... Uh, you, you pick up a sense of cultural distinction... I was in England. I came there once when there was a big fire in a, in a, in a underground in a subway station in, in King's Cross, and they were interviewing people there and asking what happened. Is that? And it was one lady, you know, obviously very, very, um, you know, she, she, I think it was they were interviewing as happened. She said, you know, she saw this great smoking, and I turned to the gentleman on my side. I said, "Excuse me, sir, do you perhaps smell some smoke and this and that?" And I was saying, an American would have yelled fire, and, and this was like a little drush of, of a whole bunch of, of words. What would you tell the kid? Would you dash him or would you yell fire? The answer is the correct term is fire, because what fire means to that child is painful, hurt. So, so when we talk to somebody and we want to tell him um, your actions are noticed. Um, so isn't Eini Hashem the right term to use for it? Eini Hashem is the correct term. That's the pshat. So the Rambam says means the language that the Torah uses is the language that will communicate to people the message rather than some abstract truth that's in some sort of absolute universe meaningful. So um, that's one. There's also an Abarbanel, a fascinating Abarbanel. He speaks by Tsaras. Um, he speaks... We should deal with the Tsaras that the Torah talks about, according to the most shitos, is not leprosy. It's certainly, I mean, it's certainly clothing and certainly clothing and uh, houses are, are kind of built up in immunity to leprosy over the, dec- over the centuries. They don't get the disease. Even though in modern Evrit, there's something called Tzarat Habayit, 
which means mildew infection. But I assure you, it's a borrowed term. It's 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 um, not original. It's it's uh, so so so. So there's a question, and even the, the leprosy has described the pusik vaguely is made. So, so the Rishonim speak about it. So some Rishonim say to him, the, the Ramban for instance, says it, it's a phenomenon that was apiderchnes. So Ravinel says no. Ravinel says the following. He says. It's, it's a mark or a sign on the person that is repulsive, very repulsive. It is repulsive and reminiscent of tsaras, of real leprosy. So he said, anything that stimulates and excites the imagination, or perception would be maybe a better word, that's the right term to use. We're not, it's not a medical course. We're, we're, the, the Torah is not dealing with Saras, how to treat it medically. The Torah is, is describing something that happens to the person for Averis, the, 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 the forcing him the need for Tshuva, and so on and so forth. So since it gives a Saras reaction, people are repulsed by it, there's a natural inclination to, to sort of stay away from the person, then that's the appropriate term to use for it. So he's saying the following over here. Um, he's saying that had a Kaddish Baruch Hu given us deep philosophical ideas, we would end up with formulations besides being confusing, they're also meaningless, and they don't speak to us. And then he says... Yeah, when they were there, they would maybe understand it. Hashem is talking, and maybe if He would explain all these ideas to us, we would understand them. Afterwards, we'd come back down to earth, so to speak, and we try to remember it. And they'd be written down. We'd forget it exactly. And we'd come back again to our questions and problems. Since, and let's, let's, let's clarify the point he's making. The problems, the deep theological issues that we wrestle with are because human understanding doesn't quite get it. So there might be a moment when we would have been angel-like and elevated and understood it. But then you'd, you'd come back to reality and the question would still be a question. It's like sometimes you hear an amazing speaker and he has you out and then you come back and you say to yourself, well, but I still don't understand it. There's, there's something there, he says, it would have, nothing would have remained. If we want a picture of this, sometimes you have a dream and you understand something very clearly, and you wake up in the morning and say, "That doesn't begin to make sense." I, I like it's, it, 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 it. I I can't even put. I, I I don't know what I was thinking. So I don't know which was the reality or not. But that's what it would have been like. They'd be left exactly with the same idea that and that was way beyond us, and it has nothing to do with real life. So the bottom line would have been we'd have these great ideas. Bishas Maisa, as it was happening, we, we have this phenomenal, uh, uplifting vision of very deep things. We descend and we would be back to square one with a reinforced perception. 
that it's something, a reality of a different order and nothing to do with our physical world. Let's see the next page. It's page 15. For Lazare, he says, the second paragraph. He says, So he makes an remarkable observation. So when HaKadosh Baruch, okay, so this is true about all Asarasa Dibris. But the first Dibri, HaKadosh Baruch says Anochi. And HaKadosh Baruch, the word Anochi is, is, the, is the core description of oneself. It didn't stay Anochi. It says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu needed to reinforce his personal presentation of his self, of, of God himself, to link it with the human experience that was profound. You remember yourself in Mitzrayim, how terrible it was, and how extraordinary it was to get out? And I am that one. Onochi Hashem, Elokecha Mitzrayim. So I am the one who is, transcends the world, but my connection to you is the one that was there for you and with you in Mitzrayim. Um, next paragraph. And he started with all of these. Baruch said, Torah is about every facet of human life, the way you deal with people around you, the way you deal with your own drives and desires, and, 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 and the way you deal with truth, and lying, and stealing, and so on. Um, and, and he says, you, you see that in the psukim. It, this is really a takeoff. He's quoting a brisa. He's not quoting it fully. The brisa says, Kol makom Every place where you find a description of God's greatness, you find his, the word anvasanuso on the surface means humility. It's not a great translation. For us, humility, or being humble, it means a sort of a self-effacement. Yeah, I'm not as great as you think. I'm not a regular person, isn't that? How does that relate to Akash Baruch Hu? What is Akash Baruch Hu? How does Akash Baruch Hu self-efface? Well, what does the word Amasusa mean as you go out to Akash Baruch Hu? So, so the answer is, if you take a look at the Pasuk, the word Amasanuso doesn't mean, it, it doesn't deal with the emotion of arrogance versus humility. It deals with something else. A person who's important and significant, the more important, the more significant, just like that CEO we were talking about, deals with the higher-ups. My frame of, of activity is the important people. I'm very important, so I deal only with important people. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is um, Nisa, so who would he deal with? The great kings, the great so on and so forth. V'somachle, avi yisomadayin almanis. HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals with the humblest, poorest, most needy, most destitute of people. 
And the expression is, the taller a person is, the lower he can, he can bend himself. So, so like if, if, if you're tall and, and there's like a, a ditch or something, you have to bend over, the taller you are, the more you can bend over. In other words, Akadosh Baruch Hu's greatness is expressed in equal measure to the, how far down he goes. And the same way he says, V'chein Moshe said, K'ashem alakechem alakechem um, in other words, Akadish Baruch, whose greatness not only doesn't it um, doesn't it, uh, it obstruct his dealing with the low and the lowly and the details of this world, but that itself is comes as a package. So, basically, let's sum up, and then we'll see the last paragraph that he says here. So, he says here that Akadish Baruch, whose Revelation at Sinai was primarily to connect the concept of a God that transcends the world with a God that is involved in every single detail of the world and all of it is an expression of his Ratzel. I I would like to uh, maybe add, uh, maybe it's in the context of what he's saying, the, 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 when a person when a person talks, so the words he says are meant to convey the idea. The sound is meant to convey the impact of that. I mean, business. When I yell and scream, or I bang, or make a great noise, it's an expression of how eager I am to enforce it. Or how willing am I to go and enforce it? The Gemara says that the reason why Kachbar created thunder and lightning was in order to iron out the crookedness in the heart. You know, it's the parts of us that not that don't want to go along. The, the lightning and the thunder, it, it, that boom, sort of shocks us a bit. Um, the the somebody once said, I think Rashon Shadron once said that. You can tell, you can tell how tough a material is by the heat that's needed to smooth it out. Um, so clothing needs the heat of a, of a, of a steam iron. Um, metal needs to be really hot before it's smooth out. He said, if we need the temperature of thunder and lightning uh, to smooth out the crookedness, the heart, the heart's pretty tough. But at any rate, the colos of Brokim were there as a backdrop. To say how much Akadish Baruch Hu is really involved in right and wrong. Right and wrong are not abstract ideas. And then we'll read the last paragraph where he sums up his ideas. 
Hine, Shoidion Vihisha Zichrona Ladora Doros. Sakarish Baruch who taught them and left this imprinted in our memories for generations. Kimina Shemayim Hibit Hashem. Akarish Baruch who looked from heavens, you know, it's from that grand, lofty um, transcendence of his. Ros Koyoshba Aretz. He looks into this world. To, to give each person. To, to reward and pay each person um, what he needs. The purpose of Maimed Arsina as a Maimed was to impress Hashkocha and that Akarish Baruch, as much as his Meromam, he is a, 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 in this world part and parcel of it. He says it's almost as if he was speaking out against the, 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 all of the, um, the, 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 the philosophical. Debates. He taught them. It's not with the, the with the abstract. Um, uh, arguments of the philosophers that people live a divine life. It's when they keep the Torah and they keep what he says that gives them eternal life. And that's why the Tana, the divine Tana said that and the truth is, it's, it's fascinating. The Torah in, includes no philosophy. The Tanoim, the Mishnah doesn't include philosophy. Mishnah doesn't deal with any Ephraim of us. Maybe Hakolt uh, Sofui, maybe is, is, is something of a wink. Even the Gemara doesn't really deal with those issues. And so, so he says, the divine Tanah said, he phrased it as follows. Know what's above you. Ayin Raya. An eye that sees, an ear that hears, the everything's written in a book. So he says, that's what the mission is. So a Pirkei Avos was meant for everybody. Pirkei Avos, everybody learns, everybody knows. It, it, it's the first thing people learn when they start learning something, and, and, it's, and it's the Mishnayis that everybody knows. So he says, There are a lot of people that imagine somebody's up there with a stylus and writing down everything, or maybe today it's an iPod, writing down everything that's, that's, being, done, that's being said or done. Einra, he said, it's not terrible. As long as they sense that there's hashkacha, that everything they do is held to the light of Akadosh Baruch Hu's judgment, ki a pickbook or a pillbook of philosophy, because the doubt and and the and the and the tortured arguments, the philosophical arguments, who you'd see in Emuna to me, Meshu Levam, that will destroy the Emuna. It's it's not. It, they'll never get the exact shade of understanding that's letter perfect, but they'll lose their simple Emuna. Very, very powerful words. And it's not, it, it, the Sefer Kedah is, is a Sefer that the, the main points in most of his Drushim are what we would call philosophical points, that they're points of depth, of understanding, but his sense of what's the Iker and what's the Tuffel and, and, and the, the, the need to understand that our real, our real uh, bias. Um, our real deviation from Torah is rarely in refined uh, ideas that, that the hair-splitting ideas about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Most of the time, it's how imminent, 
How immediate is HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives, in what we do, and, and, and so on. The, the, the Matan Torah was given that the foundation would be HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not stealing and not bearing false testimony and honoring parents and etc. etc. That was my Sinai. We should be zeichet to my uh, Sinai of um, knowing Torah and most important, feeling constantly that, that the, the, the details of right and wrong that are part and parcel of every moment of our lives, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is invested in every single bit of it. Every single bit of it carries Hashem. That's, that's the picture to carry from that Maimon HaSinah. Sinai. Uh,